0: Hey guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. Today's episode is all about venture capital, and I am so excited because this is going to really bring us to um, the first place, which is that seed phase and the seed uh, investments that a lot of small brands um, initially opt for. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you guys to the co-founder and also GP of Fab Ventures, Odile Rajul, welcome to the show, Odile. I'm so excited to meet you. So it's
1: Odile, uh, but it's, I'm very happy to meet you. Thank you for yes. watching
0: me. <laughs> I apologize. No, I, no worries.
1: I... That's fine. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, no i'm really excited uh, to chat with you because i really want to learn about um this world of investing you know and like seed investments and and what what is it you know so without um me ranting too much i want to start with you and um and get your background you know what is what made you go into this career path and just if you can walk us down memory lane that would be great
1: Um, To make a long story short, I I came to the Silicon Valley seven years ago, and now I'm based in LA, Los Angeles, um, and I've been working for many cosmetic companies, uh, including L'Oreal, where my latest job was CEO of Lancôme um, in the selective market, and after I was lucky enough to work during six years in the data and tech industry. And in fact, if I decided to come in the Silicon Valley and to become a VC, venture capitalist in seed stage, is I was thinking there were so many people pinging me, especially in the West Coast, saying, hey, we have seen that you have been in the cosmetic industry. Could you look at our deck? Could you give us advice and guidance? And uh, I decided that it was maybe the best way to help in seed stage just after the business angels.
0: Yeah. No, that's interesting because, you know, um, people ask me the same thing. <laughs> And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. (laughs) So... That's very interesting. Now, so, you know, when you went into this, like, area, you know, I, I know that investments and um, venture is just such a great area for so many of us, you know. I would love for you to give us, like, a 101, you know, of how this this whole industry works, you know. When you uh, see a brand or you see something that's really innovative or interesting, how does the initial process um, happen What in terms of, like, a brand getting funding or, you know, a venture capitalist saying, hey, I want to invest in this, you know. I want to give money to this, this uh, initiative. Like, I mean, just walk us down that road if you could.
1: Of course. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of proactive uh, contacts. Um, from time to time, it's my founders saying, hey, you should meet uh, some of my friends. They are they're great at what they do. Or it's other venture capitalists that invest later but think that someone could be interesting. Or from time to time, uh, by, just by DM on LinkedIn, um, um, I have a first conversation. Most of the time, the first conversation, especially in seed stage, is pretty much about the founders themselves, what their purpose. And I know at your podcast, Skin Anarchy, you're very much about, you know, are they about non-toxic ingredients? Are they with clinical tests? Are they dealing with things that are making sense in what I believe in? Uh, And most of the time, I'm very obsessed also by the community. Are uh, they talking to people um, that they know very well? Uh, it can be about curly hair, uh, it can be about acne, or it can be about menopause, whether a period of life, or knowing a lot of information about the people that try to um, to serve with the products and services. And then most of the time there is a second conversation that is more about the business, the traction they already have. Uh, And what's their goal? Um, I position myself as a stage uh, VC and and boutique VC, I will say, on people that are not obsessed by the next round. So that means that are very good with their products, with a high retention rate, and not obsessed by having a new round and raising more money. Uh, they, They try to have one day a path towards a positive EBITDA
0: that makes sense you know and and i and i find that to be interesting that you mentioned community because you know oftentimes i see brands launching with like you know two followers on instagram and i wonder to myself i'm like well where did where's your community where are the people that support you you know and so that homework um that part of it you know what is it that for you defines like a good community that is going to be following this brand i mean what do you look at numbers like instagram followers or like what it, what is it the metrics that you <laughs> It's a mix,
1: in fact, I can maybe illustrate with two examples where I invested very much um, in pre revenues or super early revenues. The first one is Bubble, that you know, Shai Eisenman. When I met her, uh, it was at Zanke in Los Angeles. She, she was uh, rushing because a little late. She had her products and she explained to me she was signing with 10 influencers, uh, different people, uh, Latin influencer, an athlete, uh, a gay uh, influencer, very much committed to what he was doing. And she had the products. I signed with her without having the products already shipped on the market because i was believing in what she was doing and she had a community on communities like uh, geneva and platforms for gen z she was very involved before even having the products um you know um then in walmart or cvs or Ulta, to build her own business and to be in conversation with the people she was trying to help especially Teen skincare is complicated, as you know, because it, they are not super loyal and they don't have a lot of money. So she was obsessed by being affordable and to be at reach, in fact, and, and to touch them where they were. And the second one I have in mind is David Lee, that you know, maybe uh, on Instagram is called um, Seoul Socialite. He's an activist, he says it, um, he's an Asian, uh, Korean American. Um, very much involved in the uh, LGBTQ uh, binary, beyond binary, gender inclusivity. And he had created a community called Very Good Light before launching his skincare line. And I love that because he was listening to the people, what they wanted. And for sure, his line is very relevant and his bestseller is a Milky Lotion. And I'm sure you will test that and you uh, will say yeah. that that's pretty good products, but it's far more than products. It's a feeling of belonging. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, that makes so much sense to me because, you know, when I even as a consumer am shopping, I'm always looking for a brand I connect with, you know, and like somebody who is really doing it right, you know, in a lot of different ways, not just the formulas, it has to be a full package. So I can definitely see um, where you're coming from with that, you know, the community piece, I think is so important. And oftentimes, you know, I won't lie to you, I have so many brands that I might be interviewing, and they reach out to me and they say, you know, I want to get in touch with a VC, I want that C, stage funding. And I'm like, I don't know anything about this, but I, what I can tell you is, you know, you, you have to have something solid there. So I want you to, you know, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what are some things brands can do from the beginning that's going to really prime them for this level of like, you know, um, when they reach out to someone like yourself and they say, I need that funding, you know, and I want to present to you, like, what are some things that we can do from the very beginning of launching a brand?
1: I believe very much in what I call the conversation. Um, people will talk about content. Uh, content is nothing without talking to people. Like, I, I will meet you in person. I wouldn't rush on you and say, oh, I would love to be in your podcast. I will say, hey, I've listened to these interviews, etc." So I've got the feeling that most of the people I talk to as founders and where I back them, they're already very good at something like um, um, Bloomy, for instance, um, Rebecca Alvarez is a sexologist. Uh, she's graduated from Berkeley and she's very good in, in CRM talking to the customers and our audience because these people feel lonely, especially during the COVID. A lot of people had no partner. And when you talk about, uh, you know, sexuality, it's it's still taboo for many people, including in the Gen Z and millennials. So she's trying to make people feel confident. And it can be something very different. Like i as you know, they are about science. Savin Saib is very obsessed by... Um, the uh, biopeptide and the biomimetism, but they've got a huge power with um, their Um And during the COVID, they did a donation. And you remember at the beginning, it was super tough. Uh, there was no subvention. No one was helping any hairstylist. And at that time, they were here. And they've built a very strong power um, of, of as a network of hairstylists at that moment, in fact. So I will say, it's more than just a content, a library, because people will say, oh, take care of having on your side some education. It's part of your DNA day one, in fact, uh, to be educating people, whether about their body, whether about something that you fix and where you're very good at helping them to understand and guide them.
0: Right. No, I think the guidance part is really interesting because, you know, I know that a lot of people have so many questions about, you know, if you get the, if you get the funding, right. And then now you are facing this idea of what do I do, you know, in terms of like, where's the next step? What is the right way to expand my brand? What are some things that um you guys provide, like your firm provides? You know, if, if you do sign on somebody or you do invest in somebody, um, some things that you help them with, you know, in terms of navigating this new growth and this new um, stage in their in their brand. You know, Can that's you- a very
1: good question. Um, yeah. I would say, compared to many VCs, I spend a lot of time with with the founders I back um, mm-hmm. in two different ways. Uh, First, with a lot of humility, they help each other a lot. (laughs) So that means we've got meetings where we've got Zoom meetings, exactly like uh, uh, they talk about uh, their milestones, uh, where we could help each other. And from time to time, it can be about talent on TikTok. From time to time, it can be about... uh, as a young man, for instance, that is a PhD in chemistry that is helping them in their tests. So they help each other with different backgrounds and, and, and superpowers, I will say. For instance, the, the people of uh, NewCommerce Trendio, they are very much about uh, software and tech and uh, how to, uh, to connect uh, the audience. So they help each other. The second thing, it's more on demand. Uh, from time to time, uh, I'm part of a circle of trust, I will say. Uh, As I'm always a minority VC, I I don't ask to be at their board. Um, uh, I'm more helping them on things where they need to fix something. It can be about the brand management from time to time. It can be about um, a supply chain uh, or uh, recruiting a a third member as a funding team. Uh, So I try to make myself available and offshore, of course, uh, to to make sure that um, I connect them with the right people when they need them.
0: Right. No, that that's really interesting and I and I like that approach, you know, because I I really think that there's this idea that somehow a lot of brand founders have, which is, you know, once I get funding, I'm just going to be great. You know, everything's going to work out for me, but it's like, there's a strategy that happens, you know, even after that process. And so, you know, my next question really is like, how do you approach like risk management when you make your investment decisions? I mean, you know, like what, what if, you know, you found a brand and you're saying, you're thinking in the beginning, this is a great brand, but then how do you manage that? You know, the risk and the reward Expectations from your side. Uh, that's a very
1: good question, especially as a solo GP. Um, the, the the strength is to be quick and agile because you don't have to convince your uh, uh, second partner or, or sub partner in a monthly meeting. So you can decide in one week. Uh, most of the time, um, the uh, the pace of decision. I take the time to have a first conversation and a second one three months later to make sure that first when I talk to them. When we talk about being collaborative, it's for, it's for sure. It's not just to be polite and courteous in a conversation and then to do whatever they want to. So I, I make sure that my guidance is appreciated and, and that I value to what they build. Um, the second thing is I try to have experts uh, on things that I don't know. Um, coming back, for instance, to new commerce, uh, because I invest for sure in beauty and uh, uh, women's health, but also in, in tech and SaaS. I make sure that I've got people very good in data. I work very closely, for instance, with uh, Ravi, Hive Data in Palo Alto. They are very, very good in AI and computer vision. I'm not the best one to make sure that, for instance, the CTO of BiWeave, that is an ex-SAP and is a brilliant engineer, is the best CTO. So I check with them before investing, for sure.
0: That's awesome. I love that. So you do consult with other experts and, you know, really get the do your own homework. That's that's good. I mean, I, I like that and I think that that's that's something I think brands need to understand is that, you know, there's a lot of um information that has to be collected before someone can invest in you you know so the more you, I think brands can do I mean correct me if I'm wrong but the more homework a brand can do and the more information you can provide and show that this is real and what we're doing is innovative I mean the easier it gets I'm guessing right for, for yes, you to absolutely. yeah yeah the, the
1: third superpower I've got is not only the the tribe of uh, the, the 23 founders it's also um, my LPs, I'm lucky enough to have um, beauty and luxury corporations and corporate ventures investing in fab. They, they're fully aware that if they will invest directly in seed stage, they're pretty toxic for funders because as you know, corporations are very competitive. So uh, let's say that Unilever or Loader will invest or L'Oreal or whoever then the other ones wouldn't touch the company, especially in consumer brands, not in B2B. So I'm lucky enough to have these people in my cap table, which enable conversations with, with uh, the founders. Let's say, for instance, Bluebird Climate is on decarbonization and helping people to measure their progress and the work with Patagonia or Glossier. They can ask questions to uh, some experts in the big companies that I'm mentioning. And it's yeah. not... Anything linked to an economic interest is just, hey, let's learn together. And it's open innovation, in fact, on, on both sides. They learn from the big companies and the big companies learn from them. So that's the, the third power I've got uh, in addition to having my, my skills and, 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 and the tribe of founders helping each other.
0: Yeah, that, I love that. I love that. That's like you know, it's like that saying it takes a village to raise a child. Same <laughs> I love, thing with I it. love the image.
1: you're right. I say that to educate my children, by the
0: way. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. No, I mean, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's hard work, you know, it's hard work. Yeah. And I think that it's important to have all these different, you know, professionals and, and perspectives to really chime in, you know, I, I want to ask you, though, you know, what is the ownership and exit strategy for investments and in startups, you know, if you can give us a little rundown of that.
1: Alors, not all VCs will answer like me. As a boutique VC, my strategy is merger acquisition. Uh, I'm not trying to have the new unicorn. I know it's very difficult in beauty and fashion and new commerce. I'm trying to have people raising um, some money, but not huge amount of money. Most of the time when I, when I invest, let's say 250K to 500K with yeah. the ability to follow on with the phone two to 1 million. I invest when the valuations are pretty reasonable. I will say when I say around 10 million, I know some people will say seven. Uh, let's not fight on that. Uh, you know, let's say 10 to 15 million, but never a bore. And it depends a lot on the revenues and the path towards the EBITDA. But my strategy is more that these people maybe will have two runs after that, no more. Not you know, series D, E, and <laughs> continuing to raise like crazy because as I'm small as an investor, uh, I have a small ownership and I just need to make sure that I help them to scale. Um, but at the same time that one day a merger acquisition happens in a healthy way. So I'm pretty obsessed by the EBITDA one day or another. So a lot of VCs now will say uh, growth, growth, growth has changed to EBITDA, EBITDA, EBITDA. That was my <laughs> strategy from the beginning. and. I, I, I love when people are obsessed by having great products. I know about listening to a lot of uh, your podcasts that you're pretty obsessed also to have excellent products that have been carefully tested. And I think it's important to have loyal customers and not running after new customers and then losing them again, <laughs> because it's very costly, and especially in this period in cost of acquisition.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And also, you know, I think the formulation aspect, you know, I like that you brought up, like, you know, you were talking about PhDs and stuff before. And I think this is something brands can really learn from, you know, from what you've told us here is that, you know, you have to do your homework in terms of what you're creating, you know, your customers will only stay with you if the product works. So if you're just, you know, if I've seen so many brands, and I'm sure you've seen many more than me in, in terms of like, you know, they have a great product, it works, you know, it blows up, maybe some influencer, you know, shouts them out or something like that but then you know where are the return customers you know what i mean like where's the people that are you know coming back again and again because your product is the best and that's I something I, you know it's, yeah. it's like i i try to tell brands i'm like there's no there's nobody there's no vc nobody who can fund you that's your side of it you know you have to put that work in and so you know it, it's very very intriguing to me because so many people want to say well if i only had more money if i only had more investments i could do something great no start from. From, you know start from the formula start from the basics and make something great and then go you know to the yes. next step yeah that's
1: good advice
0: yeah. yeah so i you know i think my my main question and, and a way to round out is you know um when, when you're evaluating the worth of a brand, you know, I know you had mentioned, you know, community and all of these uh, things that go into play, but um, in terms of long term growth of that brand, you know, how does that analysis happen? You know, where, where are the, is it data centered? You know, how does that work in terms of figuring out, you know, five years from now, where's this brand going to be? That kind of thing.
1: I know. Maybe it's my past experience, you know, as a CEO of Lancome. I'm fully aware that retailers are not fixing anything for you as, as a brand. So a lot of people will say, oh, yes, you need to be omnichannel and to have a lot of retailers. I will say uh, my advice to founders is, is most of the time to uh, focus on one of them and to be very good in the partnership, whether it's Target, uh, like Bloomy, or whether it's uh, Ulta Beauty, like Good Light World, or whether it's Sephora, like Honey in Body Care. Uh, They're very good at what they do, and they have chosen one retailer where they spend a lot of energy and time. And as you remember, as a startup, we're lean, and it's small teams. Um, so you need to be very good at that and then the other partners uh, maybe i'm thinking for instance i've invested in Certain lune that you know very inclusive and doing a great job with gcp because they're online but also in stores then you choose people because of their image it can be a violet gray it can be goop it can be certain lune it can be the detox market my friend roma gaia because he's got a standard in clean beauty and, and they're very good at what they do but You still have, you know, someone as a key partner. Um, I've got the feeling that the value of the company, uh, we come back to the merger acquisition one day, will be the data you've got on your customer. So if you dilute too much your your company and you depend on retailers, whether because this retailer is too big in your revenues or because you've got... Let's say 70% or even 80% of of your revenues, depending on wholesale, that's not good. Because corporations will love the brand because they're blind on some information they don't have. Because as you remember, in beauty, most of the time, they've got 10 to 15% accumulating all.com online. So what they purchase is the value of your community, the knowledge you've got, the insights you've got about your community and and customers as a founder.
0: That's very interesting. I love that. And I love what you said about the, you know, pick one retailer and stick to it. I see so many brands saying, I want to be everywhere. You know, I want to be in Neiman Marcus. I want to be in Sephora. I want to be everywhere. You can't do that. <laughs> you know, you have to, you have to really figure out where, because, you know, I'm sure you heard of the Sephora, you know, dropping some brands, right? And and I always wonder, the Surprise! Like, <laughs> yeah, they've,
1: they've got only the shares they've got. So if they want to welcome newcomers and new brands, they need to kick out of this, the shelves, the ones that are not uh, enough uh, generating traffic or or in sales. So yeah, I I think some founders underestimate that once they're on the shelves, there will be a lot of cost added and spending because the retailers need, you know, to have great sales and revenues
0: too. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now I want to ask you actually, uh, you know, about, in terms of like your own rep, like, you know, when you are investing, right, a brand is going to be raving about the firm, right? Saying that this is a great firm, it's a great VC, they really believed in me and, you know, all these things that are said, right? And and that really, I think, kind of builds your own reputation as a firm. Um, And so my question is, how do you measure the success of your investments just beyond the financial returns? You know, what are other things that really help you um, say that, you know what, this was a successful investment for me?
1: Yeah, I, I, I will say I, I come back on the trust relationship because mm. when we invest, um, they follow on, you could say, oh, it's legal because you've got a prorata and, and you're aware that some VCs uh, have that. I don't do that <clears throat> most of the time because I've got the feeling that, If I do my job (laughs) and I do my job, uh, the founders will follow on with me and ask me to continue to help them and and to be in the next round. So I give the example in fashion where I invested in prior revenues in Kintra. It was not written, it's a material science company that I had to be in the next round. They have just raised with a huge uh, fashion company and a lot of impact investors. Uh, and I'm still part of it and I'm happy to, to do that. So uh, I think I'm here for the long term. So most of the time when I choose the founders, I, I also choose the other VCs, part of the cap table. So for instance, Wiener, traditional Chinese medicine, I invested at the same time as Agla Ventures. Maybe you don't know them, but they're the family office of Bernard Arnault. Most of the time mm. they invest in, in tech, you know, SaaS. And uh, it's the only uh, consumer brand investment they did in the last three years. Uh, And I'm very happy to have them because they're very good on the tech part and very good on the consumer part. And we help each other to grow the business with Ervina, that is a PhD in traditional Chinese medicine. And that is having a holistic approach of beauty with topical skincare, great retention rate, uh, sun in the future supplements. And and maybe one day uh, a VIP uh, uh, treatment where you could have uh, Hector or me um, a, a traditional Chinese medicine doctor helping us in our diet and, and beauty routine every day, in fact. So that's the kind of investment that I do. So very much about the long-term relationship. And on the other side, if you will ask to the funders, they will say, maybe Odile is the smallest ticket, <laughs> but the most involved. Uh, you know, like the re- sticks was saying that with um, Sarah that I love at Swap, uh, Swap Ventures Partner. Uh, they are very much about um, health Health and uh, you know, the UTI, all, all the embracing problems of, of the women. And I yeah. helped them a lot because they were in D2C and as very good in paid media. But as you know, all people have cut the paid media and it's more complicated. So we were here, whether the key investment and lead investor or me as a minority investor uh, on different topic, but helping them, guiding them. And adding value, that that's the best way to measure the the results. The long term relationship. And especially in consumer brands, as you know, the the return on investment is not in three years. It's more five to seven years if we are optimistic
0: that's so that's really really great i love that you said that you know because that's i always wonder that is like you know what is the real role in the long term you know of the vc and and how does it really play out because there's so much more than just money you know it's 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 just as like this misunderstanding i think in so many people's minds that it's all about money no you know there's a lot more things so that was very interesting um you know what you said here i want to i want to know one more thing though is you know if you can give us some advice you know there are a lot hey. of brand founders <laughs> there's yeah. some lot of brand founders that you know they they tune into the podcast and i'd love to get your advice on like any feedback you have for a pitch or the kind of presentation they should be preparing if they want to approach someone um like yourself you know and they want to really uh you know present to you like what are some things they should consider
1: Uh, The biggest mistake that I see, my French radical candor, is that from time to time, the founders are confused between a deck that they do for Sephora, let's say that, that is very much product oriented, and a deck to a VC. The VC is more interested by, for sure, what you fix, um, your community, uh, your first traction, but very much also about your cost of goods and product margin. Uh, the business plan you've got, how you will scale globally, maybe one day, even if it's in three years, and that it's exponential. And the advice I give, especially to my uh, um, uh, female founders and and, and friends and sisters, don't be too shy. I've got the feeling that, uh, especially coming from the Silicon Valley, a guy uh, coming from Palantir or Stanford could have a a deck of five slides and and just raise $10 million because he he shows figures that are exponential. And some VCs uh, will say, oh, he's a Palantir guy and Stanford, I will invest and raise a lot of money. And female leaders, as you know, are very humble about the figures because they are very realistic. And I will say more on the lower side. And from time to time, they forget that if they look for VC money, um, it needs to be exponential. So that means instead of being in, in five years at, at $10 million, that better be at 25 or $50 million, which a guy will do spontaneously. So don't forget yeah. that ladies, don't be too shy on your figures. Yes, you don't know exactly yet how it will be, but if you've got great products and you open um, a retailer partnership and you scale globally, normally you should manage because you're smart and and you should be the best at what you
0: do I love that I love that you spoke to the women out there and the female founders because that is so important and that's so true what you said I mean I think as women in general in every career we try to stay humble you know we try to stay in this like yes. this this yeah. lane or our own box and it's just so it, we can't do that anymore you know it's it's a competitive world out there and we have to step out of that box and just say, listen, we're here. We're doing something great. And, and we're going to show you exactly how great it is. I, I love what you said. You know, this is so important.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: So, um, well, you know, but that's, that's really, you know, where, what I wanted to ask you Odile, but thank you so much. This has been so lovely to chat with you. And I really appreciate your time and, and coming on the show and telling sharing. I this apologize
1: about what I call my French radical candor. I, I say things that are not
0: polished. <laughs> <laughs> no you did you you're the kind of person i i love because i hate the people that are too politically correct about everything you know what i mean (laughs) like you have to be very honest and you have to so i i love all the advice you gave and i know that our listeners really appreciate it because there's so much information in this you know this area of investing and vc and the whole world is very very um new to many brand founders so um, again, you know, I really appreciate your time. And for everyone listening, I would love for you guys to chime in with any questions you have, um, any kind of concerns. Maybe we can um, con- convince you to come back for a part two, and <laughs> <laughs> do a Q&A. But, you know, this has been so lovely. Thank you so much. You're welcome,
1: Hector. And uh, the, the last advice I will give, connect with other founders. I, I think the best help you can have is some people building things like you do. Uh, From time to time, a little later stage than you, but from time to time, even in the paid forward, if you help people that are less mature as a company than yours, that's very helpful. So uh, I I very much uh, believe in the paid forward uh, culture. And I know, Hector, you do the same. So uh, that's my advice to all people listening to us.
0: I love that. Yes. And everyone listening, please take notes. <laughs> I hope you've been taking notes. I mean, you know, listen back to the episode, take notes. I mean, these are really, really true gems. You know, that um, have been shared here. And I and I wish everyone the best. You know, if you're on this journey of getting funding and investment, you know, just do your homework tune in, talk, you know, listen to the experts, um, such as Odile here, you know, listen to their advice, because the, these are the people that can really guide you and make you understand where to go and how to approach this. But um, again, thank you all for listening. And I will be back next time.
1: Thank you. And, uh, have a great day. Take care. Bye bye. Thank, thank you. you.